Hi guys, welcome to yet another edition of Radio 815, episode number 9. I'm your host, per usual. My name is Marcelo Nostroza, joined as always by my co-host, Matt Crandall. And on this week's episode, we sort of start out a new era of Radio 8152. Um, if you've been listening since the beginning, uh, we've been talking about uh, Felicity, but as you know, if you've been listening to us, Felicity came to an end uh, in last week's episode. And this week, we get to move on to J.J. Abrams' second uh, TV show uh, that he created in the early 2000s, I believe. And that TV show is simply called Alias. Now, if you're not familiar with Alias, before we start off here, I'm just going to give you a brief, uh, sort of a sort of a small summary as to what Alias is about. Well, Alias uh, stars Jennifer Garner and Bradley Cooper, and uh, Jennifer Gardner is a grad student studying uh, studying for her degree in uh, something. I can't remember what it is, mm-hmm. but um, in her off in her off time, she works for this little insurance company who is actually supposedly a a, a secret a, a super secret dark section of what she thinks is the CIA. And that's all I'll say about that. And uh, eventually, shenanigans ensue to where she finds out that she's not working uh, for who actually, thinks she, who actually she thinks she's working for. So there's the broad conceit of the series. With all that being said and out of the way and all that crappy uh, introduction that I just put out there, uh, Matt, what did you think about the pilot of Alias? So... I absolutely love the pilot pilot of Alias. Truth be told, written and directed by the man J.J. Abrams, uh, and as you mentioned, you know it premiered September thirtieth, two thousand and one, and it's an extended episode. It's about sixty nine minutes, and they actually aired it commercial free with only a block of commercials at the beginning and at the end, so that people could really get sucked into the story, which is something they only do, you know, every once in a blue moon. You sometimes see them do that with a show. And it works wonders, I think, when you were watching it at the time. Um, And this, you know, like I said, September 30th, 2001. So this show literally premiered like three weeks after 9-11. So very weird time for a show to be premiering. Also, this was just a couple of weeks before Felicity would start their final season, um, which, you know, J.J. wrote that premiere episode. So the guy was busy at this point in time. But when you watch this episode, uh, it's got everything. Like, it feels like a movie. And I think at the time, and I remember I watched, unfortunately, because of everything that was going on, I watched the pilot of Alias, and I absolutely loved it. And then I only saw, like, a few episodes here and there, because this was (laughs) pre-DVR, So, like, I was at school, and I didn't have a a PVR or a DVR um, to record. I remember I had VHS tapes that I have still kicking around that say, like, Alias and got a few of the episodes on it. Um, So, for me, you know, I fell in love with it, but it wasn't until... This was also one of the shows near the, the beginning of TV on DVD. So, you know, 24 and Alias were like two of the real proponents of TV on DVD because this premiered in 2001 and two years later, season one and season two both hit DVD like a month apart. And that's where like a lot of people were able to just binge watch, you know, TV on DVD was the original bingeable. 
and Alias, especially from the pilot, just lets you know this is going to be the ultimate serialized, movie-quality, bingeable show with so many twists and turns that as I was re-watching this pilot, because I haven't watched Alias in a few years, you know, I'm starting to watch it, and I'm like, oh yeah, Sydney works for SD6, and she doesn't know what SD6 actually is. Like, you know, she's at Credit Dauphin, she thinks she's part of the good guys, and I'm like, how many episodes is it until she finds out? And then, like, later in the episode, I'm like, oh yeah, she, oh, she finds out in this one. And then I'm like, oh, she's gonna be a double agent. How many episodes till that happens? Oh, it happens in this one! And then I'm like, oh, and then there's there's a mole. Is she going to find out who it is? Or is that like five episodes in? And it's like, nope, that happens in this one. So, so much stuff happens over the 69 minutes. And it just, it feels like, you know, this is before JJ did Mission Impossible. But it felt like a Mission Impossible type of show meets a Felicity. Because you've got Sydney Bristow, this strong woman who her cover is that she's a grad student. Um, so it's mixing those two worlds. Uh, and it's just so good. The the thing that I actually love about this pilot is that uh, right off right off the beginning of the pilot, it starts off with Sydney Bristow being you know dunked in a dunked tortured in, in, tortured in uh, in a, in a in a deep part of China by this by this weird creepy Chinese gentleman in a suit, and yeah. I. I'll, I I will not kid you. All I heard was, you know, all I heard was, was, uh, where is it? Where is it? You know, you know, isn't you know that's not what I isn't that what you asked for? I don't know what you want, but just tell me what you want, and I'll get it for you. Where is the rabbit's foot? That's all I heard. I was like, <laughs> because because this um yes. this you know uh, this scene to kick off the episode is very, very reminiscent of Mr. Tom Cruise being tied up in a chair and tortured by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I loved about this episode that JJ also did with Felicity, but in this episode, he even played more with it. This episode is told in various, various pieces. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not told straight. Yeah. We jump around in time quite a bit. So I do like, that aspect of the show, and one uh, one thing that I thought was very very funny, uh, but it was also very very sad because we all know what happens to him eventually, uh, which is something that I'm going to talk about here in a second. But when Sydney's boyfriend poses to her uh, uh, right out there in front of you know in 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 front of gaggles of students and some professors, and as he's propose you know he basically sings to her in the middle of this in the middle of the campus. And in the middle of this proposal, the bells go off. I'm like, that's mm -hmm. like that's like the funniest thing ever, or the funniest pooper that they didn't plan for. Yeah. Um, you know, right. I mean, he's you know when he says "shut up," you know, I the, the, that entire sequence of him professing his love for Sydney on his knees is just great. And then when he asks, when he calls Sydney's father up, uh, played by Victor Garver, and he asks for. Uh, uh, his permission to marry Sydney, and the way that Victor Garver just just annihilates his takes guy, him down. It's like what? It's like what? How can you do that? I'm like, you don't you don't even know this guy. But you know you know yeah. that that first scene really uh, does a great job of illustrating how uh, the character played by Victor Garver is throughout a majority of the series. Also. 
Um, I love the fact that when Sydney tells uh, her friend Will about her um, about her proposal uh, when they when they meet uh, to go running on the track, the second that she tells Will about you know Danny proposed to me, I'm going to get married. The way that Bradley Cooper plays it, the way you know the the way that he sort of moves his face and sides his face indicates that there's some that there's some history there, but we don't eventually find out what that history is until will um, is the knoll of alien i would i would give that to you just a little bit but i kind of wouldn't because uh because will didn't stick around for so long i mean he does he does eventually um depart which is unfortunate but um i did i i did love the way that bradley cooper played that moment and the way that sydney um just reacted in that uh, moment, but the but the moment of the episode, the the moment of the episode for me, the the one that had the most impact, is when Sydney um, comes home after her mission uh, that she just did for Sloan, dickhead. I'm gonna call him a dickhead a lot <laughs> during these because I hate that guy. Um, after Sydney comes home after doing a mission, she finds the 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 body of Danny dead in. The, the her in their bathtub and the way that uh jennifer gardner comes into the bathroom and she almost like loses her breath right she mm-hmm. she she walks up to the to the to the uh to the tub she does like a silent scream at first which yeah, is great the, yeah the, the 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 way that she held it for she held it and it was like I was like, uh, uh, you're going to let it go? And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to let it go. Holy crap. And when she let it go, JJ held on it for a couple seconds. But when she let it go, it was just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then when she rushes to SD6 and when she threatens Sloan, he grabs him by the collar, pushes him back. I was like, you know, I really hope that you would just shoot him right now. But if you shoot him right now, that'd be another, that would be the end of the show. Um all, you know, I, I really, I really liked the way that Sydney, uh, excuse me, the way that Jennifer Gardner handled grief and, um, and you know, played with that. Also, I, I did, um, I did appreciate Marshall and how, and how, uh, how scatterbrained he was. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, you work for like, you think you work for the CIA and you can't even string two sentences, two sentences together without stumbling. What's wrong with you? But, um, <laughs> But uh, but uh, you know you know in all fairness I do understand that that's a character trait and that's what makes him endearing to us. I love Marshall. Kevin Wiseman is so good and he's so different than he was on Felicity as uh, Earl or whoever it was. I talked about it back then because you know yeah he is he's clumsy and awkward and he's like stuttering and uh, there's definitely shades of Simon Pegg's Benji you know built into Marshall that JJ kind of took that and ran with it later in Mission Impossible when he introduced that character mm-hmm. um, but uh, to to go off one of your points one thing that I really enjoyed about this episode I really really enjoyed is the fact that this episode has Mission Impossible vibes all over it mm-hmm and if you know anything about me, you know that I love mission. And to see the team, for lack of a better word, get their mission from Sloan, and then to see what, to, I mean, to, to see them, you know, subsequently go on the mission and find this weird device thing 
that I that that I totally forgot about, and I was like, oh my god, there's that thing, and I can't remember what it does, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> it, it was just it, it was just a lot of lot of fun. I mean, Jennifer Gardner, I thought was an inspired choice to to play Sydney Bristow. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that this episode, I mentioned it already, but the fact that this episode isn't told uh, from isn't told from point A to point B is also a plus the fact that it's told in pieces. Mm-hmm. So as the audience member, when you first watch it, you don't know, you don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I did appreciate that. Also, I did find the the, the one the. Uh, the one part where uh, the Chinese gentleman who's torturing Sidney Bristow, when 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 you know when, when he's about to pull her teeth out and he and, and she goes, uh, I just have one thing. You should start. You should start with the teeth in the back first. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, dude. I was like, this is horrifying and terrible. And the, you know, you know, and the fact that you know, again, JJ lingered on that shot and you hear her scream and squirm in her own chair. Uh, yeah. I thought was very effective. There is one thing about this epi- this pilot episode that I did not like at all. I understood I understood why he did it, mm-hmm. and I understood the device of him doing it. But I wasn't pleased that after Danny told, I mean, after uh, Sydney told Danny that she worked for the CIA, that he during a bender decided to call her harassing machine, and you know. Sort of, sort of. I, I, I understand. Just give me a second. I was going to say, it's a J.J. Abrams calling card leaving a bad message on an answering machine, as we found out during Felicity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I under, look, I understand why he did it, but I'm like, didn't, I mean, didn't Sydney mention to uh, Danny in the shower scene, which is a really, which is a really nice scene. Yeah. That if you tell anyone, like, like, like. Don't say this shit on, you know, on an open phone line, you know. But then I, I kind of remembered that she didn't have any chance to tell him not. She didn't have a chance to tell him not what to do. I mean, he sort of just heard the information, and then he walked out. But then I would, then I said, didn't she have another opportunity to not tell him what not to do when they had that meeting next to the next to the oil machines on the on the hill, you right? Know? And I was like. Yeah, I you know I again I understand why JJ did what he did to really give the character of, of um, it's got to give um, her the drive to be the double agent. You know what? It's one of those things where they tried to make it seem like the character didn't realize how serious it was when he was told. Like he gets it, but he doesn't get it, which is part of why he leaves that message. And the other reason that I think they did it is because we're supposed to not think that you know him leaking this information is going to cause him to be murdered because usually the CIA might just disappear someone or relocate them. But it shows us how bad SD six actually is Mm -hmm. that something as minor as, uh, you know, a message on an answering machine can get you murdered, but it definitely feels it's the, the least earned moment of the episode because a lot of the other stuff feels realistic and it feels plausible, but that's the one the one thing that even I'm watching it, I was like, okay, like this guy's a moron. You know, the only thing, my main problem with Danny is that because we only spend a little bit of time with him before he gets murdered and then his murder has to drive a lot of Sydney through 
horrible situations as the season goes on. Um, and as her relationship with Michael Vartan's Vaughn uh, and her relationship with Will go on. What we see of Danny in this episode is not charismatic enough for me to actually care. I know that it sounds corny, but if they had done some sort of stunt casting, because it was only going to be one episode, if they had gotten like a face, like, you know, somebody that you saw it and you're like, Ooh, I know that actor and I love everything he's done. And then they killed him half an hour into the episode. It would be like, Holy crap. And then it would be more powerful. Like every mm -hmm. time that she's sad about Danny, we would actually be sad about Danny. As season one goes on, every time she's sad about Danny, I'm like that moron. Like, why? Like, get over it. He was an idiot. He deserved to die. Right? So that's that's my one thing with this this episode, which, you know, you kind of mentioned that you don't like what he does. And I don't like what he does either because it feels fake. But I also feel like if they had and I don't know who would have been like the name in 2001 that would have been age appropriate. But, you know, if you're watching like something now and let's say, you know, if they made Alias Today. Ryan Gosling shows up as the fiance and then he gets murdered half an hour into it. 10 episodes later, when the girl is, you know, starting to fall for the other guy, we would still remember Ryan Gosling had been in it. So, or like Chris Evans, like there's something like one of those things would, would drive us and make it more interesting than faceless guy who happened to be on like an episode of ER or whatever it was. That's my only small nitpick, but the main thing I think that makes this show so awesome is the perfect casting. Because Jennifer Garner is so good because she's beautiful. She can play the cute, funny stuff, but she also kicks so much ass. ass. And like you said, that that line where she's like, start with the back. And you're like, oh, crap, Sydney Bristow is tough. And, you know, the hair... Um, and how that whole thing comes about is just so awesome. Yeah. And I, as the, the season goes on, you know, watching her do dress up is part of the fun of the show. But then they they do something smart where, you know, SD6 could be, once we find out that SD6 is, is bad guys, right? You know, Arvin Sloan, played by Ron Rifkin, like it feels like a bad guy from the beginning. When he's trying to be like the father figure to Sydney because her own father is so distant. We still feel like there's something wrong with him, but Carl Lumley as Dixon, like you just love that guy from moment one. Like he's so likable and him and Sydney have a great rapport. So like, I don't, you, you feel like there's no way this guy could know they're evil because Dixon is such a good guy. So that makes that shock of like SD six is bad hit so much harder. It's like, Holy crap. And even like I end up loving Victor Garber as this show goes on, but he's a, he's a jackass in this episode. You're like, Oh man, Sydney's father sucks. <laughs> Just like, you know, Felicity's dad sucks. Like in this episode, you're like, this guy sucks. But then when he shows up at the end and reveals that he is the other double agent, it was like my jaw hit the floor. The first time it was like, Holy crap. Like this show is crazy. And it's only episode one. When I saw Alias the first time, I had no idea who Victor Garver was. I didn't, I've never seen him in anything else. But a couple, um, he was in Titanic. Yeah, no, no, he, no. I was gonna say, he's not recognizable for that, but he's a Canadian treasure. So I was like, oh, that guy, you know, he's popular up in Canada. He's one of our homegrown talents. 
Okay, I didn't I didn't know that. I know that. Look at you dropping knowledge. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I first saw Alias, I hadn't seen Titanic yet. But you know, um, the first time I saw Titanic in the movie theater, uh, my grandfather will tell you, I'm like, holy shit, that's 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 Sydney's. <laughs> Yeah. Father, I was like, "Holy shit, he looks younger. What the hell? He's on a boat. He's <laughs> gonna sink." Uh, you know, but I, I'm, 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 I've, I've always been a Victor Garber fan since Alias. I, I think you're right. I mean, he is a little dick. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's a little dick in the pilot, but I feel that as this, as the seasons go along, he does become a softer character i mean he still he does it's like a redemption story for him his whole arc yeah i mean he still does keep those hard edges but as the season goes along as the uh seasons go along he does become more endearing as a character and i did appreciate uh that aspect of um this first pilot episode and i do want to mention that you know, Bradley Cooper was nobody when this started and, uh, I liked him on the show. And so whenever he would pop up in other things, I was, I was like rooting for him. Cause I'm like, it's Will, it's Will from alias. And so watching it now when Bradley Cooper is obviously a superstar and, and you're like, Oh my God, look at him. He's so young and he's got this horrible hair. Like what is going on? So yeah. that's fun for people who haven't seen this in a long time, just to see, you know, Jackson, Maine, Looking like this wimp with bleach blonde hair and, you know, trying to be a reporter. So that's fun. And I do like, you know, Francie is good. I like that they, this is, it feels like a more diverse cast and um, just so many decent peripheral characters. They start setting on the board and we only meet Vaughn in the last, you know, little bit. Um, And Weiss, good old Greg Grunberg shows up. Even though he was still on Felicity, he did a couple episodes in this season. So having him be there as JJ's, you know, rabbit's foot. As much as I absolutely love Michael Giacchino's music now, I wasn't a huge fan of the score of Alias. And I think part of it is it's very electronic and like trying to be hip for the time. And probably at the time it it was fine, but I didn't love some of the music cues. Um, I think it gets better as the series goes on. And certainly as you know, his career has just gone through the roof. Uh, and I, I think Lost was a big turning point for his music. But um, the the music in Alias was just okay for me. I didn't love it as much. But I do love the cool special effects, the weirdness of the, the red ball that we see, sort of sprinkling in like, hey guys, this show's going to be a little bit weird and there's going to go some places. And um, one of the guys who does a, like a polygraph test um, at the... CIA or SD6 or whatever was the tall man from Phantasm, Angus Scrim, and I'm a big horror fan. So when he showed up in this, and he's in a couple episodes, um, that was awesome. And I know that JJ was a big Phantasm fan growing up because Bad Robot restored that movie a few years ago and helped clean it up and make it look nice. It's something interesting about Alias because Alias to me is sort of a touchstone of JJ's career, not because this was like the first show that introduced him to the mass public. But this was the first show where he started to work with some people that he would work with for many years to come. And one of them is my fair composer working today, Michael Giacchino. You mentioned that the, that the score was a little techno and a little 
and a little, you know, tech, uh, a little um, techno. I, it it doesn't bother me um, as much because I I will be honest with you. The only reason why I'm the only reason why I started watching Alias was um, because of a girl who I had feelings for when I was in school. And and and, it, and, it, and for for those of you who care, it wasn't the girl I talked about last week. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the only reason why I started watching Alias. And when I started watching Alias initially, I had I, I hadn't become the guy that I am today. So when I first started watching the show. I was like, I don't care about this JJ guy. I don't care about who does the music. I didn't care. I don't care about any of these people who actually make the show. So watching it now, it's like I have a new appreciation for it because I do care about all these people right. who make who 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 make the meal that we all see as a television show. Yeah, and I, I I do think that it is wonderful that. Uh, this is sort of the touchstone where we, where we, where we, for the lack of a better word, we don't see him, but we get introduced to his music. We get introduced to yep. Michael's music. Uh, we also meet uh, uh, later on in the show. We also meet, or we we get introduced to the writing of two of my favorite writers of all time. They're going to start working on the show pretty soon. So yay! Yeah, episode uh, three. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank. See you. You're the facts guy. See, that's why we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna net you the facts guy of the show. <laughs> so. When so when their episode comes up, episode three, you guys know that I'm going to be happy, or you're going to know that I'm going to be happy, Matt, because I yep. love them so much as writers. Um, and oh, and also, this is sort of the introduction of my favorite production company in Hollywood today, who does a lot of stuff, but <laughs> needs to needs to do more JJ stuff, more JJ ish stuff. Uh, Bad Robot, because this is sort of the launch. <laughs> Of Bad Robot. It is. And then the Bad Robot is different at the end because like, it's, it's the old logo and it's the old, you know, shouting. And so, yeah. like, at first right. I was like, whoa, oh, yeah, I forgot. It wasn't always what I'm used to. And I got, like, interested in uh, production companies and directors and writers. I actually researched who the hell, who the hell, who the hell those kids were. Yeah. Because I, I did find that really annoying. But after finding out who they were... I was like, okay, yeah, of course he would do that. Um, but I really, I really love Bad Robot as a company. Um, they have done some really, really awesome shit. Um, mm-hmm. And Alias is is up there in their in their meter of awesomeness. Um, you know, yeah, but I'm, I'm, go ahead. I, uh, I I'm just, sorry. I'm just really looking forward to watching this to to sort of uh, rewatching the show again. Um, you know, because I haven't seen it in about four in about four or six years. Like I love JJ, but um, but Alias is not as special to me as some of his other projects are. Most notably, yeah. Felicity, and most notably, Lost. I mean, right. I when 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 we get to Lost, I'm gonna go crazy, people. <laughs> uh, well, I, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna try to. Judge it fairly, but I'm going to go a little nuts. Right. And it's one of those things where, you know, I haven't seen this. I haven't watched Alias since Alias went off the air. But, like, I absolutely, it's in my, like, you know, if I'm listing J.J. Abrams things I love, it's, like, top five. Mm-hmm. So so it's one of those things where I just, I haven't, I haven't visited it in a long time. But re-watching this pilot, it just reminded me, like, now we we have so many shows that are, the scope of a movie and that are super serialized, but like 
in 2001, we didn't. Like this in 24 premiering in the same month changed television forever. <laughs> like there were a lot of like, you know, crime of the week shows and they weren't all every episode ends on a cliffhanger and every episode feels like a movie. But 24 and Alias changed the game. Like we would not have half of the shows we have now if 24 and Alias hadn't become such big hits. They hadn't set the the tone for TV on DVD bingeable. You know, you have to own the shows after you watch it so you can revisit all the little stuff. Those were like the two landmark shows that happened to come out at the same time and both be lightning in a bottle that literally changed the face of television. So, you know, as much as I love 24, J.J. Abrams and Alias is the one that really is is the heart and and the mythology that is so present in all of the cool shows we geek out over nowadays. Mm-hmm. So in your mind, um, Alias is one of the shows that changed television. You wouldn't say that, for the lack of a better word, um, I know this is a Sophie's Choice thing, considering that we made a pod that we made a podcast about this guy. But uh, you wouldn't say that Lost is that show that sort of changed the way that television is done. Uh, I don't think there would be Lost if there wasn't this. Now, in terms of broadening the mythology and Lost is of a different era where it was more about the online community and everybody pouring over frame by frame. So I definitely feel that. And certainly in terms of movie quality, you know, Lost elevated the game, but also was the most expensive pilot of all time at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think both are really important in the history of TV, but I don't think you get lost if this show tanks right away. Okay. Okay. Oh, but also, um, <clears throat> did you, uh, a, a little trivia because you, you chimed in with a bunch of trivia about Elias and I, yep. uh, I, I just remembered this off the top of my head in, uh, in, uh, uh, in 2001 when, um, Elias premiered, they're also, and just hang with me for a second because this is going to sound a little bit beaten off the path, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back to you in a second here. I trust you. Uh, yeah. I just want to warn you because I'm going to just go a little bit off track here. Um, in 2001, um, on uh, ABC, uh, a small little uh, little assistant had uh, recently started working there around the time that 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 alias aired by the name of uh, by the name of Damon Lindelof, and he was working on a show called. Uh, uh, crossing Jordan mm-hmm. and he would eventually sorry this is going to all come around he would eventually talk to his boss um, Eric Kripke because he got called in by the president of ABC at that time to take a meeting with JJ about this other show so I find it I find it so interesting that some of my favorite writers w- have worked in the same ecosystem and have been a part of the same company, mm-hmm. um, uh, for lack of a better word. I mean, I mean, just just one more thing, and then I swear to God, I'm going to get off this track. Um, like all, like like all my favorite writers right now, they work for the same organization. They all work for Warner Media, which is which is the funniest thing ever. Because yeah. J, JJ has an overall deal at Warner. Uh, uh, Damon is there, um, and uh, Joss is there right now. Yeah. Right? 
the 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 only guy that I really love that doesn't work for Warner Media is Alex. With he's at he's at uh, Viacom CVS right now. Yeah, Paramount. You know, but I I uh, Paramount. Thank you. I you know I I find it so interesting the the connections between writers and how certain people end up working together in the career in the career paths that they take. You mm-hmm. know. Um, also, I did find it very interesting that two of the writers on the series of Alias would eventually become my favorite writers of all time once I saw a little movie called Transformers. I find it also very interesting that it all comes back to, it all lead, all roads lead to JJ uh, yeah. when it comes to my love of fandom for a lot of stuff. Yeah, the guy's um, a force of nature, man. <laughs> I just I, I just find it very, very interesting. Um, so, uh, before we wrap up here, um, just to surmise, I love this pilot. I, I really thought that it was such a, an interesting way to, to, to start a series. And to go off one of your points, Matt, in, two, in uh, 2000, we really didn't have a lot of these, uh, a, um, a lot of these uh, mystery spy shows on TV, at least, in, at least not like, not like Alias. And I, and I, and I do think that going through the series, um, as we progress here, as we go through, you know, the episodes is going to be a lot of fun and it's going to bring back a lot of memories for us. Uh, with that being said, my grade for this pilot on a scale of one to 10, that would be an eight. I really, really enjoyed this. With that being said, what would you give this uh, pilot episode of Alias, Matt, if you had to grade it? I give this pilot a nine. It sets up so much stuff and is so fun and really like nails the tone of what this show is going to be. And there was two things I wanted to mention real quick. One was you mentioned how, you know, this has some nods to Mission Impossible in it um, because JJ loved Mission Impossible before he did Mission Impossible. And one of my favorite moments, and I'm pretty sure it's in this, but I watched four episodes the night I watched this. So hopefully it was in this episode um, is when uh, Jack uh, Bristow (laughs) comes to get Sydney, and he's like, you know, you got to get out of here yep um and she touches and she touches his face to make sure it's not a mission impossible style mask so there's a moment where he's like get in the car and as he's leaving after he's like told her like everything she literally she like feels his face to make sure it's not someone else that there's no seam so that was like a shout out to mission impossible that it was very subtle but was awesome Mm -hmm. because like in the spy world you know you never can tell what you're looking at and she literally touches his face to make sure it's him and it's not a, a mask that he's wearing. Um, so I thought that was awesome. And like I said, when I watched this pilot, I ended up watching four episodes that night because I was just like, man, like this show is so good. Uh, but the DVDs that I have, I bought the day they came out, September 2003, 17 years old. The pilot played fine. The rest of the disc would not work. It was blocking and like sometimes DVDs can break down like they can get dvd rot so i was devastated devastated i was like oh my gosh and so i checked a couple other discs and they're also like rotted out um but alias is available on you know apple tv and some other stuff to buy in actual high definition rather than the dvds there was never any blu-rays so i've had to go through other means to watch my episodes because i literally the second it wouldn't play i was like how dare you 
<laughs> I was devastated. And I was like, I got to rebuy this right away. And then I was like, oh, but if they put out like eventually a Blu-ray set or like a yeah, something like, pissed. I don't want to, I don't want to buy the DVDs again for no reason. Um, so the digital is tying me over for now. But uh, it was the one time physical media really failed me. And I was like, no, because this show, like I said, once you start watching, you just want to binge. And even, you know, with Felicity, like I watched, you know, six or seven episodes per season. But I've plowed through, you know, six episodes of Alias so far. And I'm like, I might watch the whole season as we go because it is just awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you mentioned, uh, I'm so happy that you mentioned the mission thing. Because... I knew that Tom came to JJ. Sorry, people, another aside. I knew that Tom came to JJ because he saw Alias and he was like, Ooh, this guy does spy stuff really well, so I want to come to him. I really want to offer him the job. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that JJ was a fan of the 60s shows. So, so you're dropping all sorts of knowledge today, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so awesome, awesome introduction to the series. Nice change of pace from Felicity, but still some of that wholesome, you know, feliciness baked into the DNA of Alias as well. With all that being said, Matt, where can the good people find you if they want to talk to you about anything? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter, at Matt Crandall. And if you got any questions for us, hashtag Radio 815, we'll answer them. If you want to talk to me about anything, about Alias or whatever, uh, you can uh, reach me also on Twitter, except I'm at CreekFanatic88. Thank you so much for listening. And as I often say, we'll talk back soon.